Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, and welcome to Waypoint Radio, episode 192. I wanted to add a spoiler warning up top here for the original Life is Strange. We spoil the whole game. So in case you don't want to be spoiled on that, make sure to uh, give that one a skip. Okay, thanks, and here's the episode. contemporary fiction, please, for the love of good dialogue, go talk to some real teens. You will soon discover they do not say things like, OMG, that was like, Toad's cray cray. They just don't. If you want your characters to talk like teenagers, then let them talk like teenagers. Not like some crackpot 80-year-old alien who has come to Earth and is attempting to masquerade as a teen. Unless you actually are writing a book about crackpot 80-year-old aliens uh, who have come to Earth and are attempting to masquerade as teens, in which case that sounds amazing, and I applaud your genius. Uh, that was from Hannah Heath uh, in a piece called Writing Teenage Characters, What You're Doing Wrong. Uh, and this is, of course, Waypoint Radio, episode 192. I'm Danielle Riando, and joining me today are Natalie Watson. Hi, hi. I am Pat- a teen. Oh, she's a teen! She's a teen! It's We've got a resident teen, Natalie Watson. <laughs> I'm the and- resident youth. Resident Youth and Resident Dad Patrick Klepper. Resident Youth sounds like a shitty Resident Evil reboot that <laughs> that went in a truly millennial direction. Also, I think you know, cray cray twice. I mean, everyone knows that if you're truly writing teens, you it's cray cray cray. It's three like three crays. Like I mean, that's just fundamental it's the rule of threes always. Yeah, yeah. Miyamoto's school of threes. Uh, you have to say uh, there are three uh, forms to a boss battle and three crays for a teen. That's right. That is correct. That's how it works. Uh, and of course, we're talking about teen dialogue today. And that was a, a it was a, a blog post from a, a young adult fiction writer who writes books. But I think it applies to games as well. And we're talking about good teen dialogue in games today. Inspired, I think, at least for myself and for Patrick, by Life is Strange 2, uh, which is out uh, this week. I think the first episode came out this week, right? That was... Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So... We talked about that a little bit on Waypoint Radio on Monday about the game, or at least you did, Patrick. I hadn't quite played it yet. I played a whole bunch of it on Monday, sort of later on, and uh, really enjoyed it. And yeah, uh, one thing that struck me was that the dialogue felt uh, very, uh, <laughs> a lot more natural than it did in Life is Strange 1, but I am still a huge fan of Life is Strange uh, 1 and also Before the Storm. Uh, although, again, I feel like every time we mentioned Before the Storm, we do have to mention there were labor issues there, so uh, putting that out there. But uh, it does feel like the dialogue in this series has gone from a very heightened, almost 90s teen sitcom kind of like it, ridiculous, but I think it really works 
uh, in a lot of ways to like a slightly more natural to a much more natural uh, sort of flavor in in Life is Strange too. So uh, I want to ask you both what your Life is Strange history is. Patrick, I think we all know that you are a, a pretty big fan of the series. We've talked about those games a little bit. But Natalie, I do want to hear a little bit about your feelings. I know you haven't played the second one yet, but uh, your feelings on the first one and sort of how it portrayed teens and teen dialogue. Um, I think the dialogue was really good uh, <laughs> in the context that like it was, you know, alluding to being in the 90s and, you know, <laughs> you know you have to kind of like nudge, nudge, wink, wink a little bit harder than you might if it was taking place now. Like you wouldn't. Well, I think it actually was modern. I think it actually, it took place in like 2011 or something, 2012, maybe. I forget the exact year, but it, I always thought of it as if it was still like a 90s sitcom. Like, oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. Okay. I got really confused. That's okay. I was like, yeah. okay, I'm rolling with this. Did I totally misunderstand Life is Strange? Feel, I think you're absolutely right that it like feels like a 90s kind of Yes, yeah, 100%, sure. 100%. Where you want to be contextual, you want to be like, hey, relatable to the kids, to the youth. <laughs> um, but I don't think it was too corny. Um, or if it was corny, it was like in, in that sitcom endearing way. Um, I had... I played Life is Strange a couple years ago, I think. Um, and I had some weird feelings about the proposed endings of that game. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, because I um I think I think it did lend itself to kind of what it feels like to be in love when you're a teenager, definitely, because when, as someone who was thought they were super in love at 18 and was, like, going to get married to this person, which, holy fuck, I'm so glad that did not happen. I think we've all been there before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, it does feel like your whole world is kind of crashing down when you're faced with, like, a decision that is to be or not to be with this person. It does feel like kind of the whole world is is just falling apart around you. So I feel like those kind of illusions were really strong. And especially, you know, thinking about queer love and my my one qualm, I guess it is, is that I get sad when I see tragic lesbian love stories because they're tired and not wired sometimes um and but I but I do think now that I'm kind of reflecting on it a little bit more that just like to to signify like the weight of a teen relationship that it that it has on on sort of your formations of the world and the way that you interact with the world around you and all that all that kind of stuff like it um yeah it's pretty pretty powerful in that way i think well, part of what made uh life is strange work is that uh the as corny as the dialogue could be it wasn't condescending like i think that's sort mm-hmm. of like the key difference when you're talking about even though you know the you know the shitty selfie lines and stuff like that part of why it <laughs> worked was because the tone that life is strange set for itself was that 
it was trying to it was respectful of the stories it was it was telling and about um it, it didn't seem condescending. They didn't feel like it was like, haha, like those, you know, those those dang teens and like their <laughs> their their catchphrases that I don't understand. Like it felt like it, for whatever faults it had, of which there were were many, um, it always seemed to come from a place. I think we've used the term endearing over and over, and I think um, I think that that fits because it came from a place of uh, of wanting to tell that kind of story despite whatever um, you know sort of uh, pitfalls it had along the way. It seemed they like came from a place of like. It, it 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 was trying. Um, trying to, is not always, and that's not an excuse for the you know things you get wrong. But I you know I I think it it was trying to legitimately tell a story from that perspective. And and I yeah like as you mentioned, Danielle, the leap between one and two, I, I think shows like a lot of introspection on finding a way to 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 do that even better a second time around. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first game worked so well because it was so heightened, uh, because the stakes were, oh, it's it's the end of the world. Choose between love and the end of the world, which I I chose love, baby, like in a heartbeat, you know, like, wow. I don't care. Okay, sorry, Arcadia Bay. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because the very beginning of the second game, it's like, did you trash Arcadia Bay? Like they basically ask you like, oh, did you make that renegade decision? And I was like, look, I don't like tragic lesbian love stories either i want to have a happy story so if that means the end of this crappy town whatever you know okay yeah, that's that a little the, harsh but. i mean again you know the, the end of that of life and strange is shitty like the, the choice they and natalie alluded to this but like yeah the choice yeah. they set up for you and the way that story can end is like not it those didn't have to be the two endings like there there were other ways that they could have allowed you to have multiple outcomes based on where you wanted that relationship to go that doesn't have to end with you know the stereotypical like oh turns out they love each other well they're gay that means one of them's got to die um right like mm-hmm. this, that happens far too often in narratives and and like it, it seems like they kind of fell into that trap largely because that's how stories often end but they they weren't putting enough consideration into well but this is how like yeah, what queer queer stories yeah. always mm-hmm. end, especially when they are often written by, um, you know, straight uh, writers, and so uh, it made that that ending even more uh, problematic. And well, did, does that mean y'all sacrificed Chloe? What did I do? <laughs> um, I did both. Okay, so All I'm. Right. <laughs> I did, say, I did save I Arcadia I Bay. I did. I, I ended up saving Arcadia Bay, but had ended up not feeling great about that being like my, my like it. Because especially the way that ending plays out is it, it clearly is like meant to be like the canonical ending because like the budget goes into that, <laughs> that, that ending. Yeah. Um, the other know. ending is so uh, like you just kind of. You just get in a car and leave, whereas the other right one gets off. like, and, and you're like, sad. you're like, kind of yeah. fine. Like you guys just seem fine, and I was you're like, fine. I would not be fine right now. <laughs> like I would extremely not just be chilling, like listening to, I don't know, like Mumford and Sons, like <laughs> running out of this town right now. Like I would be very upset. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's the fuck you, I'm gay ending is what it. That's it how is. I've always interpreted it. Was like. You are saying fuck you to your crappy town and all these crappy people that that kept you down. This might be a, a little bit of a it hit me real hard mm-hmm. <laughs> in a specific yeah. place coming from like a I, I didn't grow up in a small town, but I grew up in Rhode Island and it is not the most happening place. I'm sorry, Rhode Islanders. I apologize <laughs> to all of you 
if I've just thrown some shade on the state. There, there are okay things in Rhode Island, but like not the most exciting place, not the place I would have chosen to, you know, spend my life. So I very much like I had I, in a heartbeat. I had no problem being like, yeah, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm good. I've got love. I've got what I need, which, again, I know is the very like I may have been a very specific audience <laughs> playing this. No, game. but yeah, I think I think the the idea I mean, we had, you know, queerly but you, you talked to Queerly Beloved, the the Broadly podcast yeah. about chosen families a week ago, and or two weeks ago. What is time? Yeah, um, and 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 thinking of it in that sort of way of like, okay, I'm I'm choosing to to to, uh, or seeing it as a chosen family kind of thing, and seeing it as you know, um, seeking out those who will support and who will. Um, reaffirm and 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 celebrate like the who you are um in that way there there is like you know something to be said about choosing chloe um but yeah i i wish i wish what would have made that ending better for me is if that ending was fleshed out a little bit more and it wasn't you know just driving off because there's so much unsaid and and you know also like I don't know. Teens can make their I don't know. If I were I if if it was me at 18 and I destroyed well, my so town. Well, you now cuz you just had your 18th. Also, birthday. yes, I just right. turned 18, so <laughs> thank you. So, if it was me right now and I was given the choice. I mean, I know it's fantasy, whatever, but I would know that like in 5 years I would look back and be like, "No." Like <laughs> You know who who you know at eight whoever you're in a relationship with at eighteen is probably not going to be the person you spend the rest of your life with. And oh God, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I'm just thinking about myself at eighteen right now and just being like, Why did you do this? Why did? Why were you like this? Why were you this way? Well, that goes straight into a, uh, one of my sort of main framing questions uh, for the discussion today. Which is that I, I like genuinely hate a lot of teen media. I had like not the best teen years, uh, which, I, you know, who does, right? Well, I'm sure some people do. I'm sure some people do. It was not the most awesome time for me. High school was a horrific experience for me. Uh, so I've really like, aside from like Daria and a couple of other, you know, like mm-hmm. shows about high school and how much it sucks and is terrible. Uh, I have like a real issue with a lot of like, teen focused media or if not necessarily even for teens i don't think life is strange is necessarily for teens specifically or anything. yeah because it's like that's the question right it's like yeah. is, is the teen media like life is strange is teen media for adults right, as opposed right, right. to to reflect on yeah this. it's meant like that's, that's partially like why uh maybe you're able to excuse from the dialogue because it's like it's an adult reading adults writing teen dialogue as opposed to teen media aimed at teens in which like they wouldn't put up with that shit they would be able to tell the difference and yeah. Um, yeah there's like a fundamental disconnect based on like who the ultimate audience is for like i mean daria felt well daria, daria kind of worked both ways right like daria yeah. still like daria felt like aim <laughs> like you could empathize and and as a teen with daria's plight like you could see yourself there and then also as an adult you can uh, i think daria is one of the rare ex- media pieces of media that i think probably you know splits both ways yeah, for sure. And it like it didn't it didn't hurt that like I was a teen exactly through Daria's run. I was like I think it started in 97 when I was 13 and then went through like 2002 when I was like 18. So it was like I 
perfect, you know, like like one to one kind of like with Daria, which was kind of funny. Wasn't it part um, of that? It was part of that MTV like animation block, right? It was like Ian Flux. Yeah. Uh, Ian Flux. Ian Flux. I can't remember. It was one of yeah. those shows that was also yes. part of that. And like the cartoon sushi stuff, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Liquid TV <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yes. it was so yes. good. It was so awesome. It was like genuinely great. And you can go back now and like, okay, yeah, there's some some stuff but like i can still go back and really enjoy a lot of that stuff but yeah i have like a real problem with a lot of like teen media like just i don't understand the nostalgia i just get mad i just get like why why (laughs) why do we put teens through this horrible uh, gauntlet known as high school kind of thing um but life is strange super worked for me it's one of those rare examples of something where like no i genuinely loved it and i I love the new game as well and i'm kind of wondering you know, why that is, uh, and also how you folks felt about that. You don't have to talk about your high school experiences. I'm not going to make you. <laughs> we're not. Gonna, we don't have to go through therapy today on Waypoint Radio or anything. But I'm wondering if you both have kind of the same thing, or if you enjoy teen media, or if you have like a, a different relationship with it. Um, I love me some teen media. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I read so a, a ton of young adult uh, fiction when I was. A little too young and then also like <laughs> into into I probably started reading like young adult fiction when I was like around like eight or ten. Okay. Yeah. I remember. And then I read it up until probably I was like fourteen or fifteen. Um and but then I watched like a lot of T V shows. Um and it's funny because reading and watching young adult stuff i think watching especially was hard because all of the actors are obviously not teens they're 32 like they are very (laughs) old and so i was constantly like looking up to these people who were like supposed to be my age or supposed to be just a couple years older than me um and so that was weird because there always felt like a disconnect for me. It wasn't like, of course, this isn't relatable because these are like beautiful like actors that are like 26 playing like a 16 year old. And so that like. Like The Hills, kind of- right? Like that was like one of the quintessential, also an MTV show. I'm thinking the OC and OC, yeah. oh, Gossip yeah. Girl. All right. Gossip Girl and the OC were really big for me as yeah. a teen. Um Unfortunately, <laughs> hey, some Gossip Girl is all right. You know, it, on a rewatch, I've been meaning to rewatch it, and it's just like it's the most messy. Everyone is so messy <laughs> and bad, but it is really entertaining. It's very yeah. Kind of I think the, the messiness was part of the appeal of Gossip yeah, Girl. Yeah, hundred percent. But like Veronica Mars, is that in there anywhere? Or? Veronica Mars was a little bit before me. Gotcha. Um, All right, I'm sorry. I'm showing my age here. Apologies. <laughs> it's okay. Also, like, Gossip Girl I was like a quintessential. Like, what high school is this? Where is everyone having the threesomes? Like, what? what yeah, high, I know. What? Well, like, I don't know. My all, high school is like, pretty crazy. Uh, I mean, it's like those parties like were happening, but it's like shows like Gossip Girl and stuff like that suggested like, well, if you aren't at those parties, like they're just around the corner, like you know, like that. <laughs> yeah, every other house on the block, you know. <laughs> yeah, my idea of like New York private schools were like, wow, this just must be like constantly glamorous. It was like more like the glamour, like the sex and drugs and stuff. Like I don't know, there was a lot of of 
like that in in the LA private school scene that I uh, attended and it was a lot but the glamour of like yeah we're gonna wear Chanel to go to the party like we're gonna like that was just like so out of this world to me and that's what made it like such a fantasy thing it was like just like the presentation rather than like the actual acts that were going down um but (laughs) yeah I think that in terms of like reading that's where I felt like I could relate much more because I felt like we were just I could you know think of anyone in my head and they could be they could look just like me or they could you know be at least my age and look like my age and that's what made them feel like they were talking like my age even more um especially in like the sort of like more confessional style like the non-third person like the first person books that I read that were that felt like I was just being talked to as like the reader and that we were having like this back and forth um that's what felt like the most I'm here with you too and and we are the same yeah yeah I like that I like that as like it's a companion through your you know potentially difficult formative years you know totally totally let me let me help you how about you Patrick what was what's kind of your your feelings uh, on teen media in general, especially if it, you know when you were younger and, and growing up through this stuff, I didn't have a lot of experience when I was younger. Um, I, you know, uh, maybe rare exception, but like high school was pretty fine for me. I had uh, I was lucky enough to have the same group of friends um, oh, nice. yep. that I had known like kind of around the block, and that was like my core. You know, people come and go, your group expands and contracts, but like I, I generally had. Um, like a really stable group of friends to go through. So those, the, the, the tough, like sort of um, years in high school. And so, uh, I mean, obviously there were ups and downs, but I, I wasn't looking for, often feels like a lot of teen media is escapist in nature. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't as looking for that as much uh, in, in high school. Um, it was actually like probably more, more of uh, the times that I was looking for a sort of escapist media happened in earlier years before, it was a lot more awkward and introverted in uh, like middle school. Like mm-hmm. middle school is probably a rougher couple of years than than high school was for me. And like that was like unsurprisingly the years that like I was deep into things like the X Files and uh, sure. looking, which I don't would not call the X Files teen media <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> um, but like that became sort of my my escape was like to read about monsters and aliens and and grand conspiracies um, because. Uh, you know, my actual life was like much more boring and mundane, and maybe and maybe that's that's part of it was like um, uh, there wasn't as much going on in my my sort of like day to day normal life was pretty stable, and so I often found myself drifting to sci fi and fantasy um, because it was stranger and wilder, and there was there was uh, more to kind of let your imagination go. Of course, then as I got older, I guess in high school I got into the Harry Potter series, and that became something that I stuck with. Uh, the last book didn't come out until. Uh, a couple of years after I was out of college um, and I was still going to, you know, midnight showing or midnight sales at Borders and stuff like that to pick up my copy uh, of the book. So Harry Potter. Did you dress up? Mm -hmm. I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't think so. I wouldn't have been against it, but it was not. I was the only one that was reading Harry Potter in my friend group. I'll say that that much. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who I would have dressed up with. Um, if I had wanted to, um, but, um, yeah, Harry Potter was probably like 
the it was like my one of my singular obsessions outside of video games in in high school and then certainly there was a lot of uh young to teen speak happening in in the harry potter series um and that said that was also one that was aimed at you know that was one that was enjoyed by adults but was clearly aimed at kids and was teenagers. like teen speak in the well harry i mean potter eventually uh, well i guess they sort of it's weird because harry potter basically kind of jumps from kids to adults right like yeah. they don't really go like i mean there's there are horny phases in harry potter right during <laughs> um like the order of the phoenix era um yeah it's been a while since I've read those books, so I, I'm and the movies gloss over a lot of that stuff. But yeah, um, yeah, they don't really spend a lot of time in like the, the Harry Potter and, and Hermione and, and Ron and, and all of them being teenagers. They kind of just jump from being kids. Then oh no, yeah, Voldemort. Ah, I guess time's time to be adults. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny because it what made me like relate to them at the ages that I read their books the books and and um at the ages that they were supposed to be in the in the book was was how they were like feeling more than than kind of like the dialogue like the the actual like uh taxonomy of the dialogue itself like rather than than uh having some sort of um like they're saying rad and I say rad or, you know, it's more like the issues that they're dealing with or like the the sort of like the way that they relate to each other and things like that made them feel much more relatable to me than than them like kind of nodding at me with some like teen speak, I guess. Did either of you do the Hunger Games books or or I guess I, I'm really only familiar with the movies, but I'm just curious if if those books kind of those hit are, you. that was too late for okay. for like by the time because that was what like a little after Harry Potter that Hunger Games. I mean yeah, the it books. Was like 2010, 2011, I want to say it was like when those were kind of starting. Yeah, I, I don't. I, it, at that point, I had sort of I, I, my uh, all I knew about the Hunger Games was it was like it was super popular amongst like kids, and it didn't strike me as oh. Because I liked Harry Potter, I'd probably like The Hunger Games. I was at that point sort of, I basically dismissed The Hunger Games. I ended up, you know, sort of liking the movies. Uh, I only saw the the first two, I think. But um, yeah, The Hunger Games kind of, kind of went past me. Yeah, I think I read the first two. I remember the first one was a uh, required reading summer reading for my entire uh, school. Good because <laughs> because your school is about to participate in The Hunger Games. Right. Yes. <laughs> we had a Hunger Games day. I, I think, okay, there was one girl that went to my school that was in the movies. Okay. Um, and I think my school just ran with that after she, <laughs> like, got cast. They were like, all right, we're the Hunger Games school now. We're I'm trying to remember. Gonna, like, there was an actress, uh, oh, that came from our school. She's well known. What, what was she in? Uh, Once Upon a Time. What was that ABC show? She, wow. um, mine was... Uh, the fox girl oh yeah with the red hair yeah okay All jennifer right. so, morrison she was okay, in house cool. she was fun time jennifer, jennifer. If, you, if you look her up you probably oh know. i know i know her i know her i know her uh, yes my my wife has a complicated she won't let me watch jennifer morrison tv series jennifer morrison <gasps> jennifer morrison was mean to her on a high school production of a play do not tell her that I mentioned this story. I'll get I'll get punched in the arm. And no one oh, tell no. her. 
It's a good thing to no say one no help. one tell her publicly as well. <laughs> wow. And so then I, w- I would I would I would I would just leave on episodes of House when she would like when we first started dating, she would like come visit me at college and I would just have an episode of House on in the background just knowing that she would walk in and get extremely upset that Jennifer would <laughs> just leave it on for for Pixel. Yeah. <laughs> That's extremely That's really good. Funny. That's extremely good. Kind of um, love that. Twilight was really big for me. Okay. All right. That was like kind of like the the novels of my generation. Twilight. We we were the Twilight generation. That's what <laughs> defined us. All right. As as part of the Buffy generation, I always had a very I had major issues with the Twilight stuff. You know. I was always I've... so upset. I was like, we have you know, it's not perfect, but we've got some female empowerment and good queer characters and all this good shit. And then we went backwards. I'm sorry. I could. Oh, it was bad. I have problems. Twilight, most messy, problematic trash, I will say. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, it's also because, like, we, when you're at that age, you're at your, um, you, you don't have the critical eye for that stuff, right? So, like, the reason no, you definitely end up. Not. You, the reason you end up being drawn to works that you, you know, would later consider you know, problematic or, or just bad. Um, like you don't have, you know, you're, and you're not supposed to, right? Like that's the, like the, the teen media, like is, you know, largely pulls on emotion and situations and relationships and con and, mm-hmm. and like situational context. And like, you know, that's, of course, Twilight is appealing then, right? Like it's like, it's a, it's a big romantic, uh, adventure. Like that's, that's, that is the, the appeal of that. It is, you know, it's appealing to the, to the horniness of teens, and it's like that. If there was one constant, the teens Jacob are horny. Jacob was really hot, you know. He was, it was really, really hot. hot. He was hot. Jacob was hot. Kristen, what's her name? Bella. Bella was hot. Kristen's hot. hot. Bella was hot. Everyone was just hot. Everyone. The dad <laughs> was hot. The dad was even know. hot. It's true. Everyone was hot in that <laughs> book. Yeah. And then they did the movie. I recently saw an article, just speaking of Twilight really quick, that the director was, like, tried to cast, like, a more diverse cast, like, wanted to cast um, Alice as, like, Eastern Asian and wanted to, like, have a much more diverse cast. And Stephanie Meyer was like, no. And, like, would not, was like, they're all white. Like, everyone oh. has to be white. And she, like, gave her the one black vampire which just that's Stephanie Meyer. That's telling a little bit about yeah. Uh, it tells a lot. Ms. Meyer. Um, but you know, props to that director. That well, I don't know. I would say props, but <laughs> gave it a shot. <laughs> gave it a shot. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, fair. Very fair. I'm sorry if I threw shade on you there, Natalie, for for liking Twilight. I apologize. Oh, I, I be accept so the shade. Well, no, I, I think we, we probably it. all have stuff like that, right? Like, I mean, Buffy, we, like, despite its, you know, I think, you know, now it's looked back to as having so, you know, yes, it had empowerment elements, and it's better than a lot of the available media. But you know, Buffy, Buffy's not without its problems. Joss Whedon, you know, <laughs> problematic Joss, fave yeah. at best. Problematic fave. Everybody's favorite problematic fave, Joss Whedon. Yeah, very, very much so. 100%. I will, I will take a knee and say, I, I too was a dumb teen. I, <laughs> absolutely. 100%. Shame. Shame to all of us. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. 
You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I want to bring it back a little bit to Life is Strange. Um, and Life is Strange 2, which I know Patrick and I uh, have been playing and enjoying and uh, enjoying quite a bit. We we did talk about this a tiny bit uh, on Monday, but I want to kind of, you know, reframe it in terms of, okay, Life is Strange 1, extremely cheesy, but extremely works. Life is Strange 2 does not feel cheesy almost at all, it seems. Like, it, this actually feels like a pretty, uh, you know... I don't want to say not cheesy at all. That's that's not entirely. Yeah, it's still true. like it's sh- uh, sh- sh- schmaltzy. Yeah. Like I mean, I'm t- trying to, yeah, trying to think of the uh, you know, it's 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 still melodramatic. Yes. Um, but feels more grounded and authentic in a way that the the original uh, did not. Like the 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 kids and this the, the the lines of dialogue you hear from like the brothers feels far more in line with what you might actually hear. I mean, it's still in. The life is strange, exaggerated tone, but definitely, even within that context, it feels, it it, it it reads a lot better than the first one did. Yeah, or a lot more like, oh, I could see this as a believable scene. You know? yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also the teen dialogue, it is something you mentioned again on Monday, but I, I noticed really, really strongly the sort of inter-teen dialogue actually seemed a lot more natural and, and uh uh, really, really fun. The the interplay between um, the older brother and his friend uh, was, I thought it was like wonderful. And I really liked how, you know, there's conversations through the cell phone that actually seem to make sense. Like, it's like, yeah, this is a 16 year old boy. This is how he would, you know, when he talks to his boss, he's just like, hey, boss, gonna be late. Like, you know, these three word exchanges. And then the boss kind of has a whole like, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, like, let me try to connect with my young worker. And uh, he's just kind of like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. Um, and then, of course, the way he tries to talk to this girl that he likes, you know, and he's trying to get his his uh, female friend, like, to actually help him, like, have a little bit of game or help him kind of, you know, actually talk to her like a like a human being uh, is is really cute and really well done. And uh, it's, it's yeah. Uh, Natalie just, I got, I got to call this one out. Natalie just put in our chat, I almost just drank Ancient Soylent, which, I teen almost, move. That would be a teen move ancient, right there. Oh, yeah, got to go to the party and drink some Ancient Soylent. <laughs> Spin the bottle. Wherever it lands, you got to drink that Ancient Spin the Soylent. Ancient bottle. <laughs> I had a bottle of Soylent on my desk, and I thought it was the one that I pulled out from this morning. And I was like tipping it back and it was like taking a long time to reach oh. my mouth. And then I was like, hmm. And then I looked down and it just solidified at the bottom. Oh. And I was like, holy shit. Wow. What Party a teen. Fell. What a teen. What a Such teen. a teen move, am I right? Leaving old Soylent on your desk? Hashtag relatable. Oh, that was almost the worst thing that could have happened on this podcast. Just projectile. Natalie just throwing up in front of us. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. That was that was worth 
addressing, I think. Uh, that was, you know, that was a very teen move. I wanted to ask <laughs> the room uh, if folks had other sort of really good examples or, or even like comically bad, I consider that good in some level, uh, of other games that actually kind of really got teen dialogue well or, or made you feel at least like, okay, here's a relatable character. Um, totally. Yes. Um, I would say Donut County is huh, not yeah. like teen speak, but it's like internet talk, which um, I remember uh, uh, when I met Ben uh, Esposito, the developer at E3, and I was playing Donut County for the first time. I was like so, so impressed by the dialogue and was like, I'm so happy you did this. And he was like, yeah, I mean, it's just like how we talk like on the internet, like that is it. And, 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 and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but, um, that, that was like something that made me so happy, um, just to like, feel like, you know, this, the way that we talk online can be translated like into game form without it being like super cheesy or that it just like is that endearing feeling of like being able to recognize like, that sort of thing like the weird capitals and everything like that it was just that was like kind of my standout when I was thinking about this topic even the um, sort of animation supports that so well like the the like sassy raccoon the way he just kind of mm-hmm. like lies down and he's just texting it's just very like supports yeah that as well. like just like a casual way you talk to your friends kind of thing totally totally and the duck it was a duck right that you could just put like duck emojis it was a goose it was a goose I'm sorry goose duck, duck, goose. It was <laughs> apologies goose to all the ducks emoji. out there Apologies to the ducks. Sorry to all ducks, all Soylent, all Twilight fans. I got a lot of apologies uh, today. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Patrick? Are there games that you uh, felt, you know, got young adult or, or teens pretty well in terms of dialogue or even just characterization? Uh, yeah, Night in the Woods is probably the one that uh, really sticks out from the last uh, couple of years. Uh, Night in the Woods probably has, like, the mm. best translation of talking online to a, a video game. <laughs> Um, and, uh, it felt, uh, just very naturalistic. Um, um, it, it, it definitely, it, uh, it, it managed to translate, uh, that, that, the, the way kind of kids talk to each other. Um, I can't remember what the exact ages that, you know, I think they're young adults. Like they may be, you know, 19, maybe 18. Yeah. Late teens about to leave their, but definitely, you know, young and extremely online, uh, sorts of people. And I, I thought that Night in the Woods managed to, uh, convey that in a way that uh, didn't it didn't feel forced at all. It felt like it was like trying to capture a very specific type of speaking, a certain rhythm, a certain set of relationships that people have when they feel comfortable with one another. Um, and I was just de- just deeply impressed with their that game's ability to uh, to translate something that you largely see on like I guess it, more Tumblr than Twitter speak, um, but they yeah. managed to get that into a game and it didn't feel like, haha, like I read some Tumblr and I copied and pasted a meme. It was like, no, like Night the Woods like captured like a a, 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 a way of speaking um, and turned that into its, di- and infused its dialogue with that um, as opposed to just grabbing something and putting it in so you could say, you know, uh, that that you you know done your homework and they gone home another great example yeah. of of writing that um, totally that captures you know what it felt like to to be a certain age um, and I guess it's I guess the thing I would ask uh, they would hear is like it's I think it's actually easy to find examples of this in like smaller independent games you know I think Life is Strange part of the reason that 
it's captured people is because it has a real budget. It's it's a AAA game. Like as much as I I love, I appreciate. I think we all appreciate uh, independent games and what they bring and the kinds of themes um, that they touch on that uh, bigger games don't. Um, there still is always this kind of desire to see that stuff realized with enormous production values. And I think that has been part of why Life is Strange has resonated is because Life is Strange easily could have just been a text adventure or you know a real low budget mm-hmm. indie game, but there was something deeply satisfying about seeing that stuff represented with like a, a huge budget um, or at least a budget bigger than we're used to. And so, but I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble thinking of games at a certain scale that managed to pull that stuff off. Like I was actually just like trying to Google it was like video games with teens and like, <laughs> like anything that comes up or like people talking about like night in the woods or gone home yeah. um, and not a whole lot of stuff or life is strange and not a whole lot of stuff that, um, you know, you, you you would see in, like, an Assassin's Creed or, or anything at, at that scale. Yeah, I think the one example that came up for me when I was kind of trying to think of these at, at a large budget, because, again, yeah, Night in the Woods, completely gone home, was going to be, like, the, the one where I was, like, the sterling example of good teen dialogue. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, Last of Us actually left behind the yeah. DLC. Oh, uh, with, I still need to Ellie. play that. I just don't, I'm oh, so mad. I know. It's good. I know. I've heard. Uh, yeah, it's as someone that really liked Last of Us and uh, have heard that Left Behind is like just a, a wonderful sort of side story. Um, I yeah, I'm mad that I have not played that. Yet. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really good. You know, whenever you get a chance. Obviously, it's only a couple hours long, but it's. Uh, I think it's the best part of uh, Last of Us so far, and yeah, it it felt very much like two two young ladies having an adventure together. They both, you know, maybe they like each other. There's that whole part. All of this Ooh. is so gay. I realize, like every time I'm like talking about like good teen dialogue, I'm like, wow, it's really gay too. So you know, <laughs> this is what I consider good, right? <laughs> but they have really wonderful banter together. They have uh, this really cute adventure. I'll just shout out like one moment of it. They go to like you know they're in a mall. Basically, they're they're sort of spelunking in an ancient mall, you know, the two of them. And they they find a Halloween store and they have this just amazing banter in this like Halloween store with Halloween decorations and all sorts of goofy stuff. And uh, yeah, it feels very natural, feels very of a piece with like slightly awkward teens, but uh, who are kind of having fun together and figuring out sort of what their feelings are for each other. So that one, that's probably my it's one of the only really good examples I can think of at like that budget, like that level mm-hmm. Uh, of sort of AAA. Natalie, I don't know if, if you have any examples there. At the AAA level, I don't think so because I don't, like, if there's a teen character, they're there because they're a teen. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're <laughs> yeah. just meant to be that teenager. Like, they're meant to be the stereotypical, like, what Hannah Heath talks about in... um her her blog post that um you know generalizing the teenage experience and that you when you put a teen into a narrative it is they are meant to be there as like the angsty or the like irrational whatever the generalization you want to make about teenagers is um and so for yeah I, I don't think that like a lot of games have taken time to kind of flush out more than just they're there as that narrative device. Um, I'm having a really hard time thinking of one, but I'm open to suggestions. I mean, that may speak, that may speak to the fact that we have to scratch our heads so much, you know, speaks to the um, sort of lack of representation of 
like teens or young adults or people who are not murderous adults. Uh, More um, teens in games. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean you know, I, th- I think there may be a through line there in that a lot of AAA games involve violence and yeah. it's going to, it would feel far more uncomfortable to put violence in the hands of teenagers and kids as opposed to adults. And so if most of our AAA games are dealing in and, you know, surrounding, surrounded by and participating in violence, you know, not shocking that as a result, you know, you have uh, functionally less, uh, you know, kids and teenagers and, and other people that can speak to to broader experiences. Yeah, agreed. Triple uh, A devs, you know, get some good teens in there. Get some good teen writing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> My last question, I guess, is really, well, I, I it's kind of a two-parter uh, for this, and then we can move on to a, a letter and kind of go on. But uh, two-parter being... Why are teens so hard to write? And is it easier to write teens uh, in sort of the moment where you were a teen? I'm thinking again of like, okay, games that, that take place in the 90s where the writers themselves, you know, something like Gone Home, where the writers themselves were teens in the 90s and can kind of draw mm-hmm. from that experience. Is it extra hard, I wonder, to like write teens now, especially if you don't have like a teenager in your life, like a teen, you know, a teen cousin or a teen, you know, somebody you actually interact with on a daily basis? Like... Is that just, like, one of the main challenges of sort of writing a good teen, I wonder? I think it's super hard um, because um, I am a teen or was just a teen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I don't know what the fuck is cool with teens. Like, I was just there. It's been one, two, three, four years since I – three, four it's been 40 years for me. It's been, <laughs> it's been it's been not very long since I was a teen. And I don't know what is cool about teens at all. Like, I don't know, like, how to be cool with a teen. I would be such an old fogey if I tried to be a teen. So I think it is hard because the, because like you said earlier, Patrick, like, they're quick to, like, cipher out and it also depends are you writing for adults or are you writing totally. teen teens for teens or teens for adults um because i think if it's teens for adults you can kind of get away with a little bit more because we can kind of like there's almost like a kind of like ha ha like mm-hmm. a like a it's like can be kind of cheeky or you kind of like laugh at it or look at riverdale if, right like that's teens yeah. for adults yeah totally um but teens for teens i think happens less often in games and i think that is because like teens would just be over it the teens would not or would see through it right like yeah yeah exactly and and it may be that they're getting their that those those outlets are different these days right like you know Mm -hmm. that's the look at you know youtube and 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 all sorts of other social networks where you know maybe those expressions um those indulgences are happening in places that aren't the kinds of media that we're, that, you know, like folks like us are interested in. You know, there's just there's just more going on in different places. Um, that said, like I don't think you have to have a teen to understand. I mean, I, things like YouTube, like if you want to see what, what what people are doing and saying, like it is actually you actually have ne- never been in a time where you can find more ready access to just like observe what people are doing. Now, granted, you know totally. what folks are doing on 
YouTube can be like very polished up versions, but you don't have to dig very far to find the not million viewer person who is just uploading, um, you know, video vlogs of themselves explaining what their life is like. There was, there's a movie that came out recently that was written by a popular YouTuber about teens and oh, vlogging. Uh, um, not eighth is eighth grade. Yeah. Oh yeah. I haven't yes. seen it yet, but I've heard it is fantastic. Um, it, you know, it was written by someone who grew up uh, becoming a viral YouTube star doing music and comedy. Um, and then, wrote a story about a teenager who isn't a someone with a million viewers on YouTube. They're just Bo making Burnham. vlogs. Huh? There we go. Bo Burnham. Yes, Bo Burnham. Um, yeah. It makes uh, you know videos for herself and her friends, and she's having trouble fitting it. And it, I've, I've, it I'm anxious to watch it. I, it just went up on iTunes like because I've heard just oh, nice. really, really tremendous things about it. And yeah. crucially, part of what apparently makes that movie work is that they didn't cast teen actors. They cast teens that they could mold into actors and apparently it lends like a really interesting authenticity to the film because uh, it's trying to tell, it's not a story of teens for adults. It's, it's one of those functioning on both levels, but by mm. it achieves that authenticity by casting kids that would know, be able to see through the bullshit. Um, mm. And so, uh, yeah, I, I actually think there is, if you, if you want, you know, if you want to understand how they're talking, I think there is both media, like an eighth grade type movie, or just go on YouTube. Like you can find authentic voices out there that will give you some inkling of of what's happening. And that's probably, honestly, that's probably easier to glean stuff from there than it would be actually talking to a teenager because your inability to relate is probably going to help, you know, outside of like being able to talk to a teenager that you know really well or maybe is your own kid. Mm. Um to hear them talk authentically is probably that's going to be difficult when an adult is in the room. <laughs> yeah, totally. For sure. For sure. Awesome. Uh, let's go to the question bucket. We've got one, one question today that I really loved. I love when I get to pick the questions. It makes me very happy. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't think they actually put an address on this, but I'll check in case uh, it's in the show notes. I can throw that in. Hello, Waypoint fam. Congrats on 200 episodes. Editorial note, this is episode 192, but I think we have more than 200 (laughs) just because of how many things are going in the feed. Anyway, I wrote in on episode 100 and asked what topic you would cover in an educational twine game. And baby, I'm back to ask you another hypothetical uh, make a game question. If you were going to make an immersive sim loosely based on your own life, what would you use as your main location and what kinds of narrative collectibles will be scattered about? Here's to the next hundred episodes. Oh, love immersive sims. Uh, I'll start. Okay, mm. go. I I'm think. I feel like you've. I feel like you've been waiting for this question your whole life, Danielle. <laughs> um, I could go in many directions, but the one I think would be the most interesting, possibly, uh, for other people to play would be sort of ambulance based. I would have like an immersive sim where you're an EMT and you have all these different, uh, you know tools in your toolbox to solve various problems but i would definitely have a lot of audio logs and definitely have a lot of like notes you could find uh but i think it would be cute and it would be kind of fun to have them be like little radios we use radios on on our truck and so like if you had like a little radio and each each one that you find a different like patient's patient's uh location would have like another little story about that patient maybe a little backstory about them how they came to the condition that they have that sort of thing because that would tie into the gameplay really nicely if it's like okay you're you're doing diagnostic stuff and you're doing like medical procedures on somebody but you have this little radio that talks about hey 
the barbecue they went to with their son the other week or you know the baseball game they went to or what i these are all very all-american things i guess that i'm like imagining uh <laughs> but yeah i think that would be that would be super fun and of course i would have a lot of immersive systems oh, this would be really fun maybe i'll make this game one day when my unity skills are up to par in like 2028 <laughs> we'll see i play that game that'd be fun right hell yeah <laughs> natalie do you um... have an immersive sim Collectible. Patrick, do you have one? <laughs> hmm. I think I'm stumped. Yeah, I do. I just do poorly on these questions that are like, "What's the game that you want?" <laughs> um, maybe in part, I think it's probably reflective of that. I never want to be a game designer because I'm just terrible <laughs> at answering these questions. Which I <laughs> let someone else make it, and I'll be uh, su- surprised. Um, there you go. Jessica can make the game. Exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, she, she's already shown far more creativity in that realm in two years than I've shown. I've seen. In I've seen those drawings. They look really good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe hmm. that's the collectible Jessica drawings. You know. Aww. Yeah. Sure, yeah. That'd there you go. Cute, right. Scatter those. Well, they're already scattered among my house, so I, I feel like most of my day is spent finding <laughs> whatever she grapes or whatever she has eaten, and then hit around the house for for me to find. <laughs> So it's yeah, my just my life. immersive sim is me just cleaning up after my kid, <laughs> and the collectibles are me finding uh, almonds and grapes and <laughs> bowls of yogurt half eaten stuffed under things. <laughs> and then the so game it's... is like, can she? She recently uh, started sleeping in uh, like a big girl's bed. She we we had a crib that you could take off certain pieces and then it'll sit on the ground and you can put a proper mattress in it. Um, and then we've been just cause she turned two is around the age when you should really start thinking about getting the pacifier taken away. Um, yeah. and we weren't willing, there are different ways you can handle that. Like when my wife was, uh, a kid, the way they, they, her parents were, the family was moving. And so they told her the pacifiers have to stay at the old house. Like, that's just the way it is, and that's how oh, they Oh, you were going to say that the pacifiers got lost. No, like, no. That is- that's, well, no, because you just go buy another one. They said, no, they have to stay true, at the true. old house. And for, for some reason, she bought that. And that's like, I, to me, that seems like a flimsy-ass excuse, like, that I can't have the pacifier. Um, and so for us, like, when we switched the, we were telling her, oh, it's the big girl bed, and we made, I made the, or we made the decision. I was up the first day that, I only say I, because I was up the first morning that someone had to make the ultimate call on whether we were going to follow through on it, was, um... When she got up and she had her pacifiers to go to bed, uh, I said, oh, well, you're a big girl now sleeping in the big girl bed. And big girls leave their pacifiers in the bed. And so then she leaves them in the bed. And she was very good about it. She said it there. She understood. I'm a big girl. And so she leaves it in the bed and she only gets it when she goes to sleep. Um, That said, there are pacifiers hidden all over my goddamn house that have been (laughs) stuffed into different places. And then when she finds them, I can't really tell her no because she discovered a, a bonus a treasure like Je- uh, jessica Klubik's, collectible jessica yeah. rose clubbick's yeah immersive sim is like can she search <laughs> around the house to find a pacifier that she's allowed to have because it wasn't the ones that i told her to keep in the bed um and so maybe that's my immersive sim is like her wandering the house looking for the lone pacifier that maybe was stuffed underneath something um after she was told that she's a she's a big girl now she's supposed to leave it in her goddamn bed <laughs> that's extremely good and cute. That's so cute. Um, oh 
God. I, I tried to stretch audible. that out so I could give you more time, Natalie. I know, I know. I appreciate it. I really do appreciate it. I'm trying to think of like one place that, because the the key to an immersive sim is like having a contained space. And I'm trying to think of like a contained space that I spent a lot of time in. Um, I guess it would be like my house growing up because I lived in the same house until I moved to New York. And my collectibles, I don't know. It's not ancient Or Soylent, maybe, right? it's sure. not, I hope to dear that God it's not ancient somewhere. <laughs> It is not. I think actually my immersive sim would be three houses. It would be me and my two best friends from home's houses. Yes. And the collectible would be finding my clothes that my friends have stolen from me at their houses because we have this really bad problem <laughs> in our friend group of them of us taking each other's clothes i never do it first of all i would like to say that i'm exempt from the sins um but taking clothes and losing them in the black hole that is their houses I've lost I've lost like earrings that I put down the night before and then like woken up and they're just gone. I've lost so many things at at these two girls' houses. <laughs> and every time I go over there, I go through their closets to find my old shit. So um I think that would be my immersive <laughs> sim is getting my shit back from my shitty friends. <laughs> just kidding, they're not great title for a game too. Get your shit back. Get your shit back. back. Subtitle from your shitty friends. That's exactly. That's that's so good. See, (laughs) y'all are perfect and creative. Those were great games. Thank you. Very excited. I want to play your guys' games more than I want to play mine. Mine (laughs) sounds stressful. I want to play all of them. I think they all sound. So mine would be in VR, and it would be like the full room stuff, and you have to crawl on the ground in order to. She's my queen. I love her. (laughs) The little crawl. Is she doing the like assisted walk stuff? At this point, no, like she can fool it. She's been walking since oh, nine months, that fucking monster. <laughs> she is more powerful than any of us will she's ever be. Far too far too powerful. She's she, so she's strong. Like, I love her. She started walking at nine months and oh, the, wow. um the steps that she took, I uh you know, like I I cried a little bit when she walked, and then Ooh. the tears turned from happiness to um profound sadness at realizing <laughs> how much my life was about to change. Uh <laughs> Because then not the same weekend she figured out walking, she figured out how to climb up and down stairs. And it was just like, ugh. Just, oh, my God. She's on I the wanted, move. I She's wanted mobile. to just start pushing her. Like, just fall on the ground. Like, don't don't figure out this walking thing. I was like, <laughs> I know you can do it. So I'm glad that, like, your, your motor skills are advancing in a way that shows, you know, we don't have anything to worry about. Um, but, like, what if you did it six months from now? So just what if I just, like, kind of. <laughs> just like, slow it down. Just like, oh, you fell. What if you just stayed down Jessica. there? Keep going. You will be stronger. Maybe there's a pacifier on the floor. I don't know. Yeah, maybe if you stayed on the ground, just crawl. Yeah. She does this thing now where she, um, uh, I made a crack about at some point a week or two. Is like, well, oh, like you're a baby, you're a baby, and I was making fun of her, like, cause like, oh, you're a big girl now. 
but then now she be she like she comes she's like I want to be the baby and then like I like have to cradle her and rock Aww. her and she'd be like I'm a baby and I'm like no you're a big girl it's like I'm a baby I'm like, okay. I remember my baby cousin doing that he was like I want to be a baby again and then he would just like like ask to be picked up and yep. stuff we're all like no you're like five you like can't do the shit anymore. three years from now if I'm still in the same position I'll I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Oh, that's very cute and good. I like how we talked about teens and then also toddlers. It's like I mean, Jessica yeah. feels like a teen at this point anyway. So oh, God help, God help me. Wait. Ten years from now, just she's very advanced. Wait. Yeah, <laughs> advanced teen toddler. It's mm-hmm. very good. Oh, I want to play that. <laughs> well, too. well, yeah, walks at nine months is a teen at three. That's basically what <laughs> I feel like my life's gonna be. God, Dad. <laughs> oh my God. Well, Patrick. Uh, she repeats everything now, and uh, so we've fortunately been lucky enough, no swears. Like, we kind of tamped that out. I'm sure it'll happen, but we've, we've tried to be mindful of it. But um, when – so my dog got kennel cough a couple of weeks back, and uh, this medicine we were giving her is this, like, gro- grotesque slime purple thing. Uh. <laughs> it's it's horrifying. And um, the first time we kind of fumbled giving it to uh, my dog, and – um, she kind of like coughed and spit some of it out and it went everywhere. And my wife just like jokingly is going like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then we hear around the corner, Jessica walks in the room going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And we're doing the, We're trying to like we're laughing, but we're looking away because like the moment we laugh, then she's going to be saying it the rest of the day. Yep. I did not need the rest of my day to be, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> So good. True teen. She's such a teen. I love True her. True teen. True teen. Anyway, those are that's, that's sorry. That's dad corner. No, it's I love, I love it. Corner. Oh my you god. You came on as the official dad today, so that's true. You know, yeah, that was your job. It was really Thank good. You. Highly relevant. And if you're a teen and you have a question, you can send questions to gaming at vice.com <laughs> with a subject question. Uh, shout outs. I think we're still using Bowen, but if we're not. Let's we let's are. say shout outs to Bowen and Mellow to Mellow. Uh, I still have it in the show notes. Uh, Bowen letting us use his track. Miss you off the EP pale machine. And just in case we're using the new one, I'm gonna say this as well. Thank you so much to Mellow. Uh, I think that's two Mellow on Twitter. Uh, and we will two Mellow make makes sure. two Mellow makes. Sorry, two Mellow makes on Twitter. Thank you. We'll add that to that show notes. Uh, but either way, one of those two tracks is gonna be playing, and it's gonna be great and awesome. And thank you. Uh, to those folks for making those. We're on Twitter at Waypoint. We're on Facebook at Waypoint Vice. We're on YouTube at Waypoint Vice. We're on twitch.tv slash Waypoint. And of course, everything we write is on waypoint.vice.com. I might have just said everything we white, which is a very uh, teen toddler of me as well. Uh, Natalie, where can we find you online? Um, You can find me at Natalie Watson, and you can actually find Mellow at Mellow Makes. Perfect. So I messed that up. Thank Sorry. you. No, no, it's all good. I appreciate it. Thank you for the app Mellow Mix. Patrick, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me at Patrick Lovett. Awesome. Uh, you can find me at Danielle R.I. And as always, I wish you all uh, a good weekend and to be good and be good at it. Oh, my God.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 